0: Hellboy Podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen.
1: And me, Kate Thompson.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think that was the first time I confidently did the intro without looking at a, the sentence written out. You did it. <laughs> Just because of the space that I'm using right now to record didn't allow me to like set the iPad that has, it, <laughs> has the outline written down. So I just confidently looked at my mouth in the small window of FaceTime (laughs) that I can see all of you, Kate. And and I just got through it. You did great. (laughs) You did perfectly. A little BTS uh, right at the top of the episode. (laughs) Yeah.
1: A little looky-loo into how we have to both still read this after how how long? long? Two years? Three years? Four? We've been doing this for Uh, 60 years.
0: Oh, we have 60 years. We've aged so much. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's good to be back, Kate. Yeah. We have a great uh, final issue for BPRD 1946 this week to cover. Oh, yeah. A storyline that I think uh, I speak for both of us. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Kate. I think it quickly became a favorite of the entire BPRD. if not just BPRD, but the entire Mignola verse. Totally. I, this, away. it was so fun to read. I, I
1: it's awesome. It's yeah. awesome.
0: And I, and I, it's just, yeah, everything The from the writing up. I like the art. I like the coloring who I know I mistaked for Stuart. And it's not that Um, what's his name deserves a lot of credit. Uh, Oh, that dicert's the writer, Paul, Uh, Oh, Paul Azaceta. And then the, um, who is the colorist again? Uh, Nick Filardi. Nick Filardi. Mr. Nick Filardi, I apologize again for thinking that you're Dave Stewart, but I hope you understand. That's a compliment. That is a compliment because I think the coloring in this book is fucking phenomenal. It's so good. (laughs) But we got two segments before we get to the um, issues or issue this week, chapter five. Um, The first one is of course one that we can't do with all of you out there. It's Oh Boy boy. Email. Yeah, we Our, harmonized on that one. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> we're in sync. We could be far away from each other forever, Kate, but we're always in sync.
1: We're always <laughs> right in sync, perfectly harmonizing, sounding beautiful.
0: <laughs> a
1: chorus. Yeah, a
0: chorus. A hellboy chorus. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. This email comes once again from, uh, I I think I'm declaring him, if I haven't already, friend of the podcast. Oh, I yeah. He's one of them up there. Emails us a lot. He's great communicator he's not afraid to call us out on stuff correct <laughs> us and he's and he's the originator of crappers of course it's drew campbell is this emails from our friend drew yeah i love his emails they are always great this one's titled tad stones yeah um, and once again he's he's hitting us with emails fresh off of episodes i love it he says hey crappers <laughs> i just have to say what an absolute delight it was listening to Tad Stones talk about his work. He's cool, like, right? He's very cool. Yeah. Um, Kate is right. And also, I, I'm i so happy you're saying that. Because, you know, you don't always get this immediate feedback from an episode or if they liked it. I, I assume people liked it, like it. But that one especially, I was like, I people should like it it's right. right we're the we're the dummies he's amazing yeah <laughs> and he everything he had to offer uh i don't know if i told you this Kate off mic or not but like when i was editing it down there was very i mean there was very few i cut out like i was just like i want to hear every word of his yeah i think, think I uh, probably, pretty
1: much you know he was just interesting from beginning to end he had all these cool insights into not just the help like not just the hellboy world but animation in general just really yeah. cool cool guy to talk to i'm glad you sure. liked it drew
0: yeah me too and he says further into that regards he says i knew his name in association with the hellboy animated films but i never really dug deeper into what else he had done i had loved ducktales as a kid and still do i'm a big ducktales fan as well that was like my one of my it's an awesome show anime yeah i had like even though i only really i remember the tv show a lot but I remember specifically, I had like a VHS that had two storylines on it. Nice. And I think I overwatched those. They yeah. had this one. Do you remember the storyline from DuckTales where they have the guys that lived under Duckburg that were like these roly poly dudes that could roll? And oh. they start making earthquakes in Duckburg. And I think it opens up. It makes the ground quake. And I think Scrooge starts losing money and stuff. So they have to go down into that underground world where these roly poly dudes are and then they have to like fight them in a competition where they roll to like win i can't remember it all exactly but it's a great episode they're featured in those really cool guys are featured in the video game because i gotta say if you haven't played the nes ducktales video game it's one of the first games uh, on nes that i absolutely loved and it was like i think technically the first game i ever won because i loved it so much i just i had to beat it and it's a great the con the the concept in the play is in the world like the design of every level is fucking cool
1: it's so pretty looking do you remember when they were they were technically video games they were like these portable i like, know exactly what you're talking things. about yeah it was like the little led or not an led screen like a little like your calculator or something yeah, it would digital. Have like yeah those things were great i had like a uh one of those for that was like ducktales relate it was like ducktales somehow <laughs> related it was so fun
0: i love that you're bringing this up because i had <laughs> one of those that i got for christmas that i used to play all the time and it funny enough uh and i i think i wanted to bring it up when we were interviewing tad but i was like this isn't important he has far more <laughs> stuff. So. he'll be like what I, the fuck are you talking about my one of those was duck uh darkwing duck and it was him. That's awesome. And he would fight the enemies. He'd like throw bombs at the bad guys in it, and it was just like a repetition move where he had to hit it. At the That's right like time. all they were, cause yeah. it was
1: like so. They're just like rudimentary. Like, God, what the fuck were they called? They were so cool. Yeah, they're, they're like, like...
0: Tacoma. T-com- I was trying to think of the brand too that made them. But I had definitely know ha- exactly what you're talking about. My Darkwing Duck one, I loved it as a kid. Uh, I remember somebody's scrolling. like screaming
1: it to us, like Yeah.
0: They're always sort of screaming at us when they listen to <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, but as you look that up, let me continue with uh, Drew's. Oh, Inga. Tiger
1: Electronics. Tiger,
0: yes, yeah. tiger. Yes, you find them that stuff so quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm a Google machine. A little, but yeah. Great. I love ducktails as well. So he says, and I saw some duck, darkwing duck. But it was just a hair past my time. So I think I was the same way. Like I knew Darkwing Duck, but it was it ended up being in that weird pocket where I was into DuckTales. Darkwing Duck came and I liked it, but I wasn't watching it all the time. I was I was always like preoccupied with other stuff. But I'll be honest, yeah. I never watched cartoons like I did like later on like The Simpsons. And only because I would play with toys probably until I was 14, which is a lot really surprising for people. Because I didn't play with toys like you know oh, we played with t- we were we were old playing with toys, dude, yeah, I loved it, and There's I used to like
1: uh do... in um in the new season of uh uh Pen fifteen, they're like playing with toys and they're like you know they're in like eighth grade or whatever <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is we would be doing this, yeah, that's what making I would up do. stories
0: and shit, yeah, yeah, I would I, my my story playing was. It was, it was like writing, I might as well have written a movie or a novel. Because yeah. I think we've talked about this before. Just, <laughs> I would sp- I would lock, I would just like close the door and I would lay out like, this is this world, that's that world. And then my main characters would be like, well, they got to get to this. It was pretty much a journey. That's what it yeah. was. Yeah. So like, I felt like I, I spent a lot of my time doing that versus watching cartoons. Not because I didn't like cartoons, but it was just like, that sort of ended up being again. Our memories are all muddled with yeah. really how we spent our time as kids. Sometimes Mine's it's all mush. mashing together. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I'm with. I'm just saying I'm with Drew. I like Darkwing Duck. I know remember liking it, but I didn't see every episode. You know what I mean? Like I, right. I clocked it and I liked it. Because as a kid,
1: I, you're not even you don't have access. Like especially back then, you didn't have a way to unless you're buying all these VHS tapes or something like. Yeah, which you can't because you're poor. And you're if you're like late, a little
0: kid, sometimes you're late from getting home from school and you miss it. You yeah, just miss, and you're just fucked. You don't see it, and like cartoons don't normally go into syndication or like where it's available syndication for kids. That's why, I like, most of my cartoon watching, it's like sporadic episodes in my memory. Totally, it's never yep. like oh, there was like when I went back and started rewatching like Darkwing Duck on Disney Plus. I was like, oh, these some of these have like or even other cartoons like that, even DuckTales. I'd probably go back and be like, oh, this was like a two parter. As a kid, I would just not impossible, (laughs) impossible. (laughs) So funny. Uh, But then you appreciate that stuff because it definitely put an influence on all of us. Oh, yeah. But he says, again, it was just a hair past my time. So I don't have the connection to it that it sounds like a lot of other people have. But listening to him talk about working on the show. And knowing how much of a fan he is of comics and the pop culture references in the show makes you want to watch it. Totally. Yeah. My two revisit episodes before we talk to him, um, I'll just reiterate, Like it dawned on me very quickly how much what I would later on like love, comic books. Um, it was like, oh, these guys were doing it. So the people creating this cartoon were were invested into it, into something I would later on become fully invested which is very interesting and to come back into your life like that yeah be surprising that it was there all along in a bit in a weird way i was talking to my mom uh this is another tangent um i'm back home visiting my mom and i was driving around and i tried to like <laughs> i tried to tell her about going to, like remind her of taking me to the like the mall and how i would go into a comic book store she sort of remembered some of it but yeah. I, I literally told her about the, uh, the time that we talked about when I took when she I like had her buy me Spawn number one. <laughs> she didn't really remember it very well, but I was like, "Oh, I will remember it forever." And I sort it of was just more thanked,
1: impactful on you than <laughs> your mom yeah. was. Like, whatever, I just bought you something.
0: Yeah, but I thanked her. I was like, I was like, that's like a major part of my life. It's yeah. like you allowing me to go into a comic book store and bought me one thing. Like, uh, I'm still there's still a big part of my life. Totally. So. That's a tangent. <laughs> uh, but then he uh, drew says similarly. I love Disney's Atlantis: The Lost Empire, but like the other straight to video Disney animated sequels, I never had much interest in the Atlantis sequel. I'm hundred percent the same way. Loved the movie. Yeah, I saw maybe the the straight to video Return of Jafar <laughs> and parts of. I the- definitely
1: watched Return of Jafar and, and was into.
0: Aladdin was the shit. Yeah, I loved Aladdin, but to return the Jafar, they just fell short, unfortunately. Sorry, Tad. <laughs> I loved it. I know you worked on him. Because <laughs> Jafar was such a cool character. He's I liked Jafar villain. as a character, yeah. Um, And then they brought his Aladdin's dad into the other one with the Prince of Thieves. That's right. That. That's right. Uh, so I, w- I understand. <laughs> but then he says, but knowing that Tad was involved and hearing about the background of the series, they were working on and the way the writers and animators felt about the work they were doing. Not to mention the fact that Mike Mignola had some involvement with the development of the show. Now I really want to give it a watch. I'm definitely going to check out the Hellboy animated blog and his other art blog. So thank you guys for having him on the show. Talk to you later. I love you, drew. We love you too. We love you too, drew. These are great. That was a great email. I'm so happy you appreciated that uh, episode and yeah, thoughts spots. Cause they are great, and do check out those blogs. They're highly valuable. So cool. and I want I want to say also, I tried to start watching the new that that or not the new, but the the sequel to Atlantis. And yeah. the only reason I, I want to watch it too. two things I immediately noticed, and I think Tad called these out anyway. I, I was too tired. I started it way too late, and I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but it's so interesting to see the quality between the the features and the, the those TV versions. Like there's like a thing, or like that you can tell they just don't because of budget have the time to like even just make like things l- have a little more like weight or space and yeah. movement behind them that's more natural. Like there's this the whole opening to Milo or Milo's like return or whatever for Atlantis that like one of the main characters is on like one of the Atlantic ships that's like a like sort of like a flying motorcycle. And it's, like, funny that, like, in the movie version, it's like, oh, that looks great. In the TV straight-to-video version, just because of those budgetary restraints, it's just so, like, it looks like you can see the cell work in it too much. Yeah. Like it's just, mo- like, it has no body, or like, natural gravity and stuff added to it through, of it's course. It's a hard thing to achieve, yeah. Yeah. it's It's very different. So... But I'm excited to watch it as well as all, uh, Milo's return, <laughs> the sequel. Yeah, because <laughs> I do. I want to see what they if there's any like things that Mignola influences and see like the creepy stuff that Tad was talking about that he said they were trying to include in the, the yeah. further of that world because it is a great world. If somebody makes a live action movie of it, hopefully it will be better than Mulan because I think they missed the mark on Mulan sadly.
1: I and still haven't seen it. I'm waiting for it to wait, just be wait, available. wait for it
0: to be free. Yeah. Wait. Wait. bummer yeah watch the cartoon again the cartoon i read just like i love the cartoon it was the cartoon rules it was great they couldn't they had so much potential um, yeah but that's a whole other podcast out there <laughs> to talk about mulan um, <laughs> I, I, that led me to be wanting to say if they all continue on this trend which i think they're going to with these live action disney movies I think Atlantis would be a if they do it right, would be a very and it gets the budget it needs, it'd be a very cool live action one, I think. Cool. If they if they get put it in the right hands. That being said, let's move on to our next segment. I'm yeah. gonna give this one over to Kate because she brought made me aware of this cool, expensive thing. It's a segment, <laughs> hell to pay. Hell a peg.
1: This one was really cool. I saw it on uh like the Hellboy Universe Facebook group posted. It's a Hellboy uh quarter scale statue um from Acme Studio. It's gorgeous. It's like so like quarter scale, that's like about 18 inches. Um Insane. it's eight hundred and forty dollars and Economy shipping to the U.S. is $120, so it's a not cheap, okay? <laughs> it's crazy. It's so expensive. Shipping to the U.K. is $280, you know? It's like, because it's, I guess, it, I assume it's huge and heavy and delicate, and they probably have to pack it like crazy. But it's beautiful looking. There's tons of, like, options, it looks like. Like, there's, like, a... Hellboy arm holding the gun, also a Hellboy, uh, like an alternate arm holding Excalibur. There's the, of course, like the horn Mm -hmm. options where you can have like them sawed off or you can have the full like cool Hellboy horns. It's just really beautifully sculpted. It looks like super comic book accurate while still being like, like having beautiful textures and like realistic looking textures has this great like airbrush quality to the to the paint job like it's fucking it looks great but dude i don't have you know almost a thousand bucks to be putting on this thing right now yeah
0: hey acme studio xm studio just send us one we'll we'll take care of it for you yeah well (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh. it's
1: gorgeous like it looks fucking cool man like it looks really cool even the base looks nice like it's not like sometimes like actually like sculpts like that will sometimes have awkward bases, you know what i mean? Like where yeah. it's like a weird positioning to like make sure it's sturdy but also looks like but this like the pose looks very natural and it it the base itself is still interesting to look at. Uh, it's I like agree. a toppled over statue with like well cool like chains and skulls and the rubble and everything. It's just overall every part of it is so interesting to look at.
0: Yeah, what I love <sighs> about it. <laughs> yeah, I know the sigh of where no way am I going to be able. I'm to looking on about. it on on uh uh
1: Spec Fictions Shop or excuse me Spec Shop is where I'm checking it out. Speculative Fiction Collectibles.
0: Yeah, they've really captured bringing Mignola, uh, his style into a three D. I think they've captured that so perfectly in a three D ability, which
1: it's is, a hard thing to
0: do. Yeah, and they, I think they nailed it. And I love that this is straight up an homage. I mean, I don't know if homage is the right word, but they're what they're done is they've recreated essentially not the original cover because the original cover of Seed of Destruction is old Mignola, his his yeah. style. But it's like they took the when they did the re-release the twentieth anniversary of Hellboy, they did the he redid the cover for Seed of Destruction, but in his current his evolved style and it feels like in that that whole base is directly from that, which I think they capture wonderfully. But it's so cool that they took that recreation of Seed of Destruction, and just brought it to life. Yeah, yeah. If it was if it was affordable, if I was rich by doing this podcast then I would have already bought us two of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they'd
1: give you a deal on shipping if you buy two at a
0: time. Yeah, I would hope. <laughs> I mean, that being said, I have to say this. I have to, I'm going to apologize on mic to Professor Pitaway. I sent him an email uh, saying I am sorry because he won the giveaway that we did uh, for Black Lives Matter um, donations. He won, and part of that was that I ordered the winner a giant robot hellboy figure from mantic games to go with the game the board game yeah well uh, in the course of ordering that and the panda in the middle of a pandemic slash quarantine i moved and mail is fucked the united states post office is currently getting fucked over and it's you know it's backlogged we've had mail issues where mail to our old place is being sent back and people are being told that our address our old address doesn't exist it's, oh shit so i apologize on mike to professor Pittaway. that uh i hope i hope that these because i have my own that i bought for myself along with the giveaway i hope they show up eventually to my new house and i can get it shipped off to him directly i apologize because it's i i want that i want that thing that gift the thing you won in your hands. yeah <laughs> totally uh so Hopefully. Sorry about man. That's that about that. That sucks. Mm-hmm. The state of the country is in troubles. Along yeah, with the United shit States, shit going on. Postal service. So I apologize. But that being said, we'll never own this. We'll never <laughs> own this giant statue of hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give a sigh now of uh, <laughs> of dreaming of having that, having the space to have it too. I know. But hey, collectors out there that. We know you love this stuff and you know, you have the money jump on this. If you haven't already and get it <laughs> totally sh- send us pictures with you and your statues so we can live vicariously through you. <laughs> <laughs> That's our segment this week of hell to pay. Yeah. <laughs> so let's I'm hand it over to Kate. We're going to get into chapter five of BPRD 1946 storyline. Our final chapter um, Can you give us some credits and a recap of where we left off, Kate?
1: Totally. Yeah. So we uh, kind of, as we mentioned earlier, uh, written by Joshua Dysert and Mike Magnola, illustrated by Paul Azaceta, colored by Nick Filardi, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley-Boo, and published. Ooh. This one will have been published in May 2008. We left off with basically like, <laughs> okay, so we left off with <laughs> Professor Broom. It's like, I'm just like trying to encapsulate this all the crazy shit that was happening at the end So, yeah. Professor Broom along with both Russian and American soldiers as well as Vivara, his little girl with a demon inside, uh Russian it's like his Russian counterpart, counterpart. yeah, that's yeah
0: what.
1: <laughs> have discovered the whereabouts of the remaining vampire soldier kind of creatures that had been created for a potential vampire Nazi army. And they're being held in a warehouse by none other than von Klempt in his little jar crawling around in his little crabby legs and (laughs) being, you know, flanked by uh, (laughs) Kriegoff and his huge, his two huge, uh, like, robo-gorilla super... Soldier fighter guys oh, yeah. slash lab
0: assistants. It was such a great cliffhanger.
1: It was Dude. so fun. It's just such a fun drawing. The the last, yeah, the last page is just the two Krieg with um uh von Klempt underneath, like clutching his little claws, like clutching some blueprints. It's so funny. And also like feels earned, you know, it's such a bonkers page but it feels very earned like we it's been a pretty overall pretty patient storytelling yeah to come to this so it's it's pretty satisfying um part 5 opens with oh yeah let's look at this cover too
0: oh yes the cover yeah
1: yeah so i had to like google it because the like compiled version that i'm looking at doesn't really have like the color version but yeah this it's pretty simple it's like the super stark um, like diagonal composition where you have this huge wingspan of one of these giant vampire bat creature looking things. Great like sickly looking ribs. Like you can almost feel the torso of this thing inflating and deflating as it's like gasping for air. It's got these knobby, these great knobby knees and
0: <laughs>
1: freaky Mignola tusks and, you know, it's just fucking cool looking. It's really great.
0: Yeah, and it's it's interesting that on this final chapter, he he's given us probably Mignola, his most simple cover. I, I, I like yeah, it's there's one not object. a lot going on.
1: It's just the one figure. It's not like he doesn't have even like a pant, like a bar of a color behind it, or like um, you know any little like inset extra stuff like. It's
0: just the bat. Yeah, which I think is fascinating for him to do that. And maybe it's smart because it's just like it gives you like as a reader, it gives you a lot to be like, what is this? Why is there not? It, yeah, I think it's good timing on Mignola to do that on this final, like the closing chapter, because I think every like I think I've already spoken about this to some extent, like it feels like all these other covers are such like built on the almost on the cliffhangers before yeah and this is of course the first issue but that also got me excited and sort of led right into the first pages of the storyline but this one seems to be like it's living on like y- expectation you know what i mean and i think that's perfectly done for a closing chapter is to not grow not like because i think you could have gotten a cover where it would have been like von klempt and the fucking gorillas but it's right. fun that he decided to step back and be like, let me give you something that's a little more mysterious. I think that the,
1: I think the idea of it, too, is so horrific. Like the idea of these things getting loose and it being nothing but blackness behind it, I think yeah. is very much like signifying that it would be the end of the world. It, they would destroy the world if they were these hundred would be unleashed. We've seen in the earlier issues how quickly they transform like that soldier in the barn. Mm -hmm. almost immediately started uh, turning and also just the way that the bat is positioned not only do you get to see this like you don't see like the full to the tips of the wings but you see the full arm span with the wings like extending past the uh, border of the cover but you do see the numbers stamped or tattooed on the forearm Yes. Which of course, like people who went to concentration camps had these tattoos too. So it's like signifying that this is a tortured person. Like the this is like a somebody who was brought to that asylum and tortured and yeah. experimented on. So this is another like victim of these horrible fucking Nazi scientists and doctors. And yeah, just. Uh, It's a fucking grim picture. It's grim. You are right. When
0: Mignola's on, he makes the right choices every time. Yeah. Pretty great. (laughs) But yeah, let's get into it. I mean, we jump right into the action now, right? Yeah, (laughs) we're in the thick of it.
1: Um, The first panel is literally like a Russian soldier and then the American captain uh, just blasting (laughs) assault rifles and shotguns. At the at both of the Krieghoffen, one in the background has picked up a Russian soldier, like he looks like a doll, like he just whipped has him like whipped up into the air, his hat's flying uh. off. Um, von Klempt scuttling away, and, <laughs> and like uh, Broom's like stop him, so he's after him, and Professor Broom follows him and, and finds this huge high-walled kind of chamber. We don't really know what it is yet, but this big hollow area of wherever the hell we are that is, like, this sort of tubular area (laughs) where there are many, you know, there's, like, a hundred of these guys in tubes being kept alive of the vampires. And Von Klemp's scuttling up the wall. Broom follows. He, like, gives chase. He's climbing up the tubes and stuff like that. He emerges through a porthole and has like one of those uh, like exclamation point question mark expressions of that you see <laughs> in comic books of like, what the fuck? And he sees Dieter <laughs> who yells uh, a little chimp with like a sort of like military, almost like ammo looking pack on his front and a lot of little nodules and stuff sticking out of his brain. And he's operating some machinery uh, Meister, yeah. Meister, you know, he's like calling out to von Klemp. He's one of his little cronies. <laughs> Meanwhile, von Klemp's doing his, you know, his Nazi mad scientist monologue pretty much where he's like, even Hitler was stupid and the German army is nothing. What I'm about to do is the true poetry like an opera. <laughs> you know, he's he's great. Like his. The language that he uses is fantastic, like, persistence, admirable, but in the end, you are only an insect crawling about inside my opera. Like, he has a I the best him. lines. Like, they're so funny. I'm, like, paraphrasing them a lot, but they're absolutely worth reading all of. They're so funny.
0: Yeah. I love I love his elevated language that he it's just again, I love a, a villain that sort of holds themselves in such a high manner of their right <laughs> image to speak this way. Completely like, almost like,
1: megalomaniac, like absolute <laughs> madman.
0: Yeah, the idea that you think you're so important that you can speak in this long way because you think that everyone will stop to listen. <laughs> right
1: it's worth saying and then he and barks I, some
0: orders at Dieter I love yeah. that he barks <laughs> orders at Dieter
1: and this great pose that's drawn here I think like Paul Azaceta is like crushing all of these issues he's got this nice little dainty pose of Dieter touching a button <laughs> and it calls <laughs> you see a little a uh, like insert of the Kree Goffins. It, it almost reminds me of like an old timey ambulance or something. You would have like a little alarm on the top.
0: Yeah. You know what it reminds me specifically t- speaking of what you're exactly saying is the opening of um I think it was the opening of the TV show Police Squad but it's definitely oh, the right. opening of the, the first Naked Gun movie. Where that little thing drives her through a bunch of silly Just driving through, like, everything. (laughs) Going into a shower. That's exactly what it looks like, dude. (laughs) That's exactly it.
1: And it's plinging, like, how I imagine, like, when they depict Sputnik in movies, how it's, like, bling, bling. Like, it starts plinging like that to be, like, calling him back to the laboratory. (laughs) <laughs> Meanwhile, the other Krieg often is just, uh, you know, plowing through these guys and just knocking soldiers aside. And one of the soldiers starts yelling to Vivara. He's like, you killed that creature in the barn, for God's sakes. Why won't you help us now? Your own people are dying. You said mean things about me. Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so silly. That, yeah. that weird duality of like this intelligent demon who clearly is like had has had like time. Has been around, I'm presuming forever. Yeah. But then it's funny that, like, and I don't know if this is ever addressed in pop culture when it comes to possessions, but it's funny that, like, this demon possessed a, a, a child's body, but then also has taken on some of the attributes. Yeah, like that,
1: like some like, characteristics of a child, like how just being like you did. You were not nice. Yeah. And I wonder if that is like just a like, demon would care or, yeah. or if
0: a demon cared, wouldn't he just like smash the guy or something like right. that? So I'm wondering if that's a fun thing that they are they're doing here or if we've seen that ever in other possession stories. If like people, the demon itself is also influenced by the the host body. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Or is if it's it? like the demon having fun <laughs> right. playing that part where it's That's like, <laughs> like, I'm just going to watch you get beat up because it's fun to me. Because even when I'm a child right now, in this yeah, <laughs> I'm playing a kid. And yeah, even when because that soldier who's complaining is like, help us out, gets fucking smashed by a giant metal fist of one of these gorillas. And you you hear a thwap and a crack, and then it screams with, like, spittle flying out into her face. And she just says, how wonderfully dramatic. Like, it's just like, <laughs> you're just enjoying this whole ride. And the action is so clear and interesting. Like, right after that, he gets blasted in the back by a Russian with a fucking flamethrower.
0: I was about to say a blowtorch, which is tiny a uh,
1: big blowtorch that shoots <laughs> fire like a gun <laughs>
0: who then he immediately gets picked up slammed
1: down on the ground his fucking fuel tank explodes and people are like ah the american captain's like i'm going after the the, the professor distract that thing as long as you can to which the soldiers like distract it like what
0: the fuck are you talking about yeah And he almost, that soldier immediately gets like almost plummeted, uh, crushed again. Yeah. Like he barely gets out of the way.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny. So, but this, uh, is this the soldier that, oh yeah. So it's the soldier that helped take notes. right? Yeah. So he's like, he's recalling the conversation from earlier in the Russian base where they were talking about, oh, if the, if these things, if these vampires thaw out in their tanks, they die. So he's like, you know what? And then he's also recalling walking into this place with Professor Broom, who's like, yeah, look at all these wires and stuff. It's probably the cryogenic tanks stabilizing and shit like that. So he's like, OK, I'm going to lead this monkey, this uh, gorilla into. I know gorillas aren't monkeys. I'm just still going to call them a monkey.
0: Hey, you know what I mean? I My, my not... friend,
1: Andrew, I'll friend let... of the podcast, we worked together at this uh, laser tag place once. Uh-huh. and uh we would always make our one co-worker mad at us by being like my favorite monkey probably is a gorilla uh <laughs> my favorite frog probably a toad like we would just like do shit that was dumb on purpose Yeah, you know was whatever like a
0: future zoologist who's just Boiling. He was just, yeah. He like is, he's
1: like the kind of guy who like had to correct you for everything. He, you know, he'd be like, actually, it's like this, and we just knew he was gonna. It was just gonna tick him off, you know, like yeah, totally. So we were just annoying jerks
0: to him. Well, I can't wait for the emails to flood in about this.
1: Yeah, they're like, uh, you're uh, excuse me, he's not a monkey, which. You know, anything else correct me about, I fucking know gorilla gorilla's not a monkey. Just chill <laughs> out. So, anyway, he's leading this monkey down a hallway. <laughs> yep. And then the the other Krieghoffin has found, uh, is, like, back in this laboratory area. Max, Trevor Broom, into the wall, holds him there. Dieter's celebrating, like, clapping his hands and jumping up and down. And I love this line from from him. Uh, von Klemter is like, compose yourself, Dieter. Keep to your station! Uh, You know? (laughs) And he's like... It's such a fun dynamic to have really, really smart guy, really, really stupid minion. Yeah. It's just a great... It's a classic comedy duo here.
0: Yeah. And Dieter is just... He's so excited to see... Dieter's, like,
1: happy and, like, jumping about. It's very... Uh so, so cute. Von Klempt basically is going on and on about like, oh, you know, G- Hitler and Germany are a joke. What I'm gonna do is so cool. Like I was so smart. I saved all these vampires from getting uh, thawed out and ruined. And it is I who will rattle civilization, not that backward Austrian buffoon of a dictator. In walks in the American captain and is just like, oh God. Meanwhile, what's the soldier's name again? I'm sorry. I'm the fucking worst with this shit. I think shit. it's Clark is that guy.
0: But before we Clark. move on to that, I yeah. like how we get a little quick, a classic villain monologue, but visually I like that they inform us at this point, just visually with three, real quick with literally two panels. They explain like, oh, Von, Von Klemp just showed up with this high tech sci-fi truck, load of these vampires in with yeah. the coffin just to transport them. And I love, I love just like, you don't need to over explain it to me. You exactly. just like you're just like that's part of the mystery was like, how do they get here? And you quickly inform us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're like, oh that's fun. He's like like he it wasn't part of the bigger plan. This is literally Von Klemp breaking off from the original plan to do his own evil deeds. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's like
1: explaining his motivation over images of how he did it. So you're getting so much information so quickly and like, and it's, it's uh, good because it's, it's just concise, his, you know?
0: Yes, it's very concise. And it's good because he's just doing it in his elevated language, which yeah. is really not informing you. If you were just to listen, if you were just the image, you'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> but the image goes, all right, we get it. Shut up. <laughs> which, is, which I think is part of the fun of him. Is like, oh, yeah. loves clearly loves to hear himself talk.
1: Right. He loves he does love to go on. Well, he holds himself in such high regard that, of course, as soon as anybody shows up, he wants to talk about it. He wants to be like, I've been doing this genius thing the whole time and it's been underground and the only people I talk to are my monkey friends. (laughs) So it's it's like nice for him to be able to brag to to another human being, even if the human being is like, you're fucking crazy. (laughs) Uh, meanwhile, Clark is running, having the other Krigoffen follow him through these tiny little winding serpentine hallways. And he's like dodging in between equipment. So he's like ensuring that the Krigoffen will f- kind of like have some destruction in his wake, you know. And yeah. he rips up a big piece of, elect- of electrical equipment, which shocks him and toasts him like a little, uh, you know, like a little hot dog. He's like dead smoking on the ground, you know? Yeah, just in time. Um, yeah, which is great. Super smart. And then back in the lab, you know, Von Klump's still going on about what a genius he is. Dieter is fulfilling his commands and pulling levers and shifting things. And Von Klump's like, what's happening? Because the electricity is cut out. And... Finally, like the Krigoffen who's holding Broom looks like, breaks his concentration for a second and looks over. And that's just enough time for Broom to pull out a gun and shoot him in the eye. (laughs) He has a gun in his pocket, blasts this guy in the eye. He falls backwards through the porthole down into where uh, the captain is below, like where all the vampires are being refrigerated. That's it. My men have cut the power to the tanks. It's over. And the captain's like, but the captain's like kind of freaking out. He doesn't really know. Like he's not in on this plan Yeah. that like he, he doesn't understand the way that Broom does that once these tanks are like once these guys are thawed out, they're just going to like suck in the liquid that they're surrounded by and suffocate. So the captain starts blasting with a shotgun at all of the tanks, which is going to release the vampires, which, of course, they start all breaking out of the tanks. They look super fucking gnarly. They have these, like nasty you know like wood chipper mouths with like these crazy jaws that stick out from every side and you know he's like well fuck shit meanwhile von klempt is like you have achieved nothing now watch in awe (laughs) and like starts like pulling some crank for something you don't quite know what it is the captain and broom are still in this thing they're like what what's happening we see from the outside that vivara and one of her soldiers is watching As a rocket starts taking off
0: right by the I guess they're literally where the I don't know what that's called exhaust or whatever. I don't know. what. Yeah. Yeah. It comes off of immediately all the power of the rockets. It's
1: it's a cool couple of panels here, too, where it's like one of the soldiers runs up trying to like presumably trying to save Avara. Yeah. Um, But she just stays watching the the takeoff because obviously she's not going to she's like a demon. She's not going to get hurt by this. But the soldier is completely fucking eviscerated, like totally destroyed by the... The heat from the engines of this rocket, Woo. the rocket's shooting up into the air, with the voiceover of Von Klempt delivering "Vampire Storm" to the heart of the real adversity uh, 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 adversary, America.
0: <laughs> it's
1: so awesome! Captain's yelling, "Rocket! We're on board a rocket!" Uh, vampires are crawling up the wall. People on the ground are getting totally fucking destroyed. So yeah, Von Klempt's like, you know what? A couple of these vampires are gonna survive are going to survive when they land in America. It's going to be so fucking awesome. The captain's like, okay, here, Broom, you take a parachute. Humanity needs you more than it needs me. And he shoves him out the rocket. We don't have time. So now Broom is falling to Earth. He's like, you know, miles above the planet right now, falling, wow. holding in his arms the parachute. It's like not even strapped to him. The captain's doing this cool thing where he's, Blasting with a gun uh, in his right hand and slashing with his left hand with a huge knife. Vampires and Kree are flying out of the fucking hole and then fly into like a, like a, almost like a jet engine Yeah, that I guess they fall grinds right into- them up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> grinds them up like fucking sausage and makes the whole rocket ship explode. Broom opens the chute like just in time. And then it cuts to three days later where Broom is in a French hospital. A nurse is like, hey, your daughter's here to see you. And of course, it's Vivara who's like, thank you. Daddy is such a nice man. And And
0: holding her burned up doll.
1: Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. Yeah. It shows you like anything else that was anywhere close to this rocket was completely burned to a crisp. But I'm totally fine because I'm a hell thing (laughs) yeah she's like took a few days before uh to find you but i knew you were alive i could feel it you know and broom is like understandably like beside himself he's like so many fucking people died that it was horrible to see you know it's fucking terrible and then so we kind of have vivara like wrapping everything up dr herman von klempt was a specialist in bioengineering worked for Himmler, you know basically like lets you know Von Klempt was a Nazi mad scientist and so he started working on this. Seems head in a jar is a very dangerous man. So the question is, did you kill him, Professor? Yes, well he was in the rocket when it exploded. And you see like Rivar like kind of looking at him sideways like, you know that doesn't mean he necessarily died. Broom is still asking her, like, hey, did you hear anything about Project (laughs) Ragnarok? She's like, Yeah, I did, and I know it's related to Hellboy. So she tells him about Oh, it was one of our good Russian boys, um, Rasputin, helped to, like, open this portal. (laughs) You must ask yourself, why? What does Rasputin want with your boy? I know what you're thinking, but the child's not dangerous, no? And then we get a a really cute cut of Hellboy, like, swirling up some spaghetti on a fork, and he's, like, got his little tongue out. He's so adorable. Vavar is kind of implying, like... This could potentially be really dangerous, or perhaps there's something else there. I see a spark of uh, something in him, something good, is what Broom says, and Vivara says, or perhaps it is a spark which will burn your house down. You are my favorite human being, Professor. Did you know? Lucky me. <laughs> <laughs> we will meet again of this, I promise. So I'm sure we're going to see Vivara later at yeah. some point. And then she like literally skips away. She's like skipping out of the room.
0: Yeah, with a um, backpack and a burnt old doll.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's the end of it. It's just a, like Broom reviewing Project Ragnarok and looking at this like file that she gave him about Resputin and stuff. And that's the end. It's so cool. It's such a-, a good f- cup like what a good few issues
0: i 100% agree 100% agree and i i love how they handled a lot of like the connection stuff Mm -hmm. to what we've already read they do it with such simplicity and where they're not doing that thing where they're winking at us they're like this is just we're just like rolling it into it particularly like this little debrief that they have right that like yeah room which i find is fun for us because they're not winking like I love that he's like, "Did you kill him, Professor?" Talking about von Clem, von Clem, but he's like, "Yeah, it's a given. He's in the rocket and exploded." That la- that third panel where v- Varvara just gives him a look is just because cuing. it's like
1: it's like Vavara's like, "I was, you know, like she's, I survived. I'm the devil, but yeah. I survived. Well, you so know, like he's a
0: mad scientist, right? You got to confirm a death." Or you yeah. can't sue, which is funny because we do know it's like he's going to come back and he came back and conquer. I'm sure the people who <laughs> saw him
1: lose his body thought he was dead, too. But yeah. then we saw him clicking around in a jar like this guy's probably a little more resilient than <laughs> yeah. your average bear.
0: And then I think it's it's interesting that we're finding out this is the first time Broom has known about is finding out about Rasputin, yeah. which is really Sort of sad to a degree because he will Rasputin will be, Broom's, he'll he'll be the man behind his death. Yeah, he'll literally drive him mad in a sense, and when he discovers that he's in that tomb with the sabdhu so hem before in yeah. the beginning is and it's like, but again again I like that they're not winking at us or it's just like this is a debrief, and this and we're all we get from. Broom is just like a confusion, like Rasputin. Like what
1: I think f- they know that they don't need to. It's I like heard. if you're if you're this far into the BPRD universe, this probably isn't like your first rodeo with the series. You probably know at least this much of it. So yeah, they don't have to. Su- it's not like like the story that they're referencing is like day one Hellboy fandom. So they don't yeah. have to super explain it. And this story in itself is deep cut kind of shit. So if you've gone this far, then you're probably pretty deep into it and know the rest of this lore. So I think that they, they go with that assumption and they're like, Oh, they like seeing one little file for, for a couple, like for maybe like a frame or two is enough to, to wrap this all up for a reader. Who's gone this far with
0: us. Yeah. And I'm, uh, it makes me curious about what else we'll read in these backstories of BPRT because there's at least like I think the next two is like 47 and 48 for mm-hmm. these and then any other stuff because it's interesting to think that maybe Broom I'm curious what Broom would do with the information that rests because like Vivara says here he's like oh I'm curious like what he rasping wants with Hellboy and I'm curious if if Broom did anything does anything or just sits on it. And then that makes me curious if that is something that if if our character Hellboy at any point would have been like privy to, because what I'm led to believe is that Hellboy isn't told or because he when he meets Raspbian, he's like, who the fuck are you? Mm -hmm. And what Mm -hmm. are you talking about? But if Broom sat on this to a degree, Broom is at fault a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> of like, yeah. He about, like, I guess about he wanted Hellboy's to
1: protect trick? Hellboy, for sure. But it like, it never. It's not really like it's like a temporary shield to just not give somebody information about like, you know, life, potentially life changing information about their past. Yeah, it's like you're not. Are you really helping them, or you're just keeping them in the dark and leaving them totally unprepared for when this comes to a
0: head? Mm-hmm and i i think that's i think that's an interesting thing and i hope that maybe we'll explore it a little bit at least or i'm fine if they leave it there for us to be like as readers digest like on our own cuz it is interesting to think that like a little bit of like the trajectory of hellboy having being sort of i guess uh hit from the side with all this destiny stuff is a little bit on broom's shoulders if he's just like well, for good intentions, I'm not going to give you this. But then in the end, that complicates shit for Hellboy. But again, I like that about, I like that about for the character of Broom of like, you're good in like a good intention gone wrong is always a fun little thing to play with. I yeah. Smart. It's smart. Again, storytelling, I think.
1: Yeah. This. It's like even good characters with good motivations can make mistakes that yeah. lead to, you know, that lead to drama later on.
0: Yeah. Unavoidable drama, of course, for Hellboy.
1: The best best kind of drama, because then it's like, you know, like von Klempt is fun to look at, but, you know, he's not so nuanced. He's a mad scientist. He's like a classic mad scientist Nazi who's worse than Nazis, thinks Nazis are weak. You know what I mean? Like that's he's pretty uh, well on the side of being bad. But like Broom can be a good guy and still make bad decisions that end up hurting the ones that he was trying to protect. And that's 100%. interesting and happens, is probably more relatable. <laughs>
0: 100% more relatable. I hope. <laughs> I, yeah, you'd hope. I agree.
1: If anybody's um, reading it and is like, I hope that head in a jar gets away with this vampire bomb.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking <laughs> of that vampire bomb, um, in the afterword, very cool. It mainly just talks about Joshua Dysart talking about being late to a meeting with Mike to about this project and him being yeah. really nervous because he's running late. To a place in Santa Monica, California that he suggested like a pub, um, which is very funny. But they just talked briefly about how their collaboration sort of just came from like them talking about ideas like, oh, Manila pitching like, oh, I, I have this idea for a little girl being possessed. And that's and then him going, well, I have this character I was played around with that was like a little girl with supernatural powers who wore like a white frilly dress. And had blonde hair. And it's like cool that like, oh, these two creators sort of had stuff stewing. And when they sat down to talk about the story, things just came together. And I like that. I think that's That's cool. cool. There's other things in here that are fun and delightful. But one of them was really cool is talking about this idea coming from like the U.S. actually having the idea for Bat Bomb.
1: Yeah, I'm reading this now. Literally rockets full of diseased bats that they were going to send. That's so so fucked up.
0: That's one aspect, the diseased bats. I looked it up and I was reading on Wikipedia and, you know, I didn't read a novel or a nonfiction book about this. But in addition to this, what they were attempting to do with the U.S. was the plan was to send it so they would have a rocket, of course. Full of bats that are like sort of... Like living
1: bats that they hoped
0: would fly around and start biting stuff? Even more insane than that. Wow. It would land, open up, the bats would then like fly out, find places to nest. The bats themselves were rigged with napalm so that they could detonate. And they would just blow up. (laughs) It didn't end up working because there were so too many complications. Dumb. You can read about it. on; It's insane. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> I was just like, this is Imagine wild. people being like, all right, let's try it. <laughs> yeah,
0: and doing tests with it. Oh, my God. So, yeah, the afterword is really delightful and, uh, to read about this collaboration, which I think is a highly, this entire team was a highly successful collaboration. I love it. Totally. Yeah, the end result is so fun to read. It, oh, this part's cool. Um, I'm going to read this verbatim, or I'm going to skim through it. It says, to me, and this is Joshua, he's saying, to me, Hellboy had always been an allegory for the Cold War, I said. Big Red was constantly done with the repercussions of Nazi ambition for global dominance. Mike's response, I just like to draw Nazis and monsters. I didn't tell him that genius was easy for the genius. Keep the suck Keep the suck up impulse and check these in these situations. Act like you belong in the meeting. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah. But I and he said we talked about how Berlin in the late 45 and early 46 was ground zero for the creation of the modern world. And then led that's what led into the Vampire Storm idea. I told him about America's attempt to create those bat bombs. Um, I just think that's cool to like this is something I, I have to admire is like I love that the creator Mike was like, This is I just want to draw Nazis and <laughs> You know, and monsters getting, you know. Oh, yeah. Getting beat up. And I think it's fun that it starts that way. And it's very reminds me of Stan Lee creating all these what he considered silly superheroes. Yeah. But all these other people in the past going like, no, I saw mutants as an allegory for, you know what I mean? For civil rights, an allegory for like gay rights and things like that and being and I think that's cool that we're seeing a little bit of this of like, Oh, you created this thing. And then Josh came in and was like, well, I saw it as like a discussion of the cold war and how we're like yeah. repercussions of, of but I mean, ha- you know, Mike like, cool. is like, he's
1: like notoriously modest to the point yeah. where it's like, okay, shut up. You know, you're good. And you know, he always lets them publish these compliments in the forwards and afterwards. So I'm sure he knows on a level and it's like how Tad Stones was saying, like, in the one car ride that he was in, Mignola was like, could have come up with like 15 stories just yeah. in their conversation in a car ride from like Culver City to, to Burbank or whatever the fuck. It's like he, I'm sure he's like aware of it. So it's like, don't. But I do love that um, kind of bit of advice of like, don't just keep like piling on compliments to this man because he's yeah. not going to appreciate it. He's clearly like so self-deprecating that it's like. You're almost going to like
0: embarrass him or something, or I
1: don't know, he'll get tired of it.
0: (laughs) Totally. And I think that's what genius does come from a place where uh, this might be, I'm, I'm the less articulate person to say this, but this is why I think like the difference between like somebody that's just dedicating themselves to their art form versus somebody that's coming to the table to force a message or force their like value filled point of view on It's like, if you just focus on telling the story you want to tell, your own values, your own like point of view will come through,
1: yeah, they'll just be imbued in that naturally. It's like yeah. gonna it's coming from you, so, and so I think
0: I think Josh is sort of hinting at that too of like you I mean Yola wanted to just tell a fun story, but you can't get away from what all the other things that other people are gonna pull from it, which I think is great. It just harpens back, I think to early comic books and how you, like I love when something is created and it's like yeah us as the creator can only go so far with it it is sometimes up to the next person to like sort of like this is different than marvel whether you have other people writing it fully but to let the right voice in like this another co-writer is going to enhance it it's only going to strengthen this thing that you already had and i think that's wonderful to hear that they it's a successful collaboration hell yeah i love it i love it i love this shit (laughs) What a cool, yeah, what I a mean, cool comic. Do you have any favorite moments, panels, or anything that you wanted to point out before we before we let go of this story and move on?
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess I love I love Hellboy eating spaghetti. He's yeah. so cute. I love like the. I'm remembering really distinctly the captain first walking in and saying, my God, like looking up at the... I guess you don't see it in that same panel, but you've seen it before. I love Dieter. I think Dieter's so funny. I I guess like when Broom first walks into the chamber with the hundreds of incubation tanks and
0: stuff. That's really cool. What I love about that particular is it's a splash page with new information, which I love. Stylistically, it's so the eye is just drawn up with his vision
1: yeah you really get the feeling for the for the size and scale of the
0: room yeah and all the little i love it, it was a it's our first big clue that we're we have a rocket coming and i think that that's right. cool that they planted all these little clues visual clues this big cylindrical room that we're in yeah and you're like why is it and it's like oh when you get to the moment of the rocket you're like it's been the clues were there all along, and I love Uh huh. <laughs> totally. So it's just stuff like that that I literally, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. It's great. Anything else?
1: I mean, those are those are definitely the standouts, but it's hard to, you know, it's hard to pick
0: just one, and it's also cool. Especially, yeah, we've said it before. I think uh, they've really made every panel purposeful, and it's hard to be like, that's the best of this because it's like, well, that panel helps the next one, the next one, and it helps the one before it. I
1: just... love that they gave this soldier to like a, a, a brain yes. and that he like they show you in three panels him realizing like him hatching this plan, remembering that the things will die without refrigeration, basically, and that there are, you know, the electricity is there. And he also uses it to kill one of the Krieghoff, and, like, uses that same plan. So it's such a, a genius plan. And it makes sense that the soldier would be that quick on his feet. He's, like, survived all of these other, this other, like, tour in World yeah. War II fighting. So he's, you know, he's got to have something going on for him. And he does get to kind of shine. And it's, they pay off this, like, one-shot character, too. Like, he was nice mm-hmm. and helpful in the beginning. He, like, knows German and, like... Is helpful, but also gets his own moment to kind of shine. I'm with you, there. which is
0: great. Clark yeah. is a, a, a very member. I was almost sad to know that he blew up in the with the rest of the soldiers because he did. Was he definitely like, blow up. I mean, I don't know. There's a chance he could survive. It's, yeah, I assume he's dead. I
1: guess he does. They show you like they show because they show you like the giraffe blowing up, and they show you like all of the hallways and like a hallway full of some of the soldiers. So I think it's pretty safe to assume he blew up. But there's yeah. I think in the world, you know, Von Klemp didn't blow up, so there's like a some scenario where Clark maybe didn't blow up.
0: Yeah, maybe. But he as you said, it's he's such a good character, it's sad to see him go.
1: Yeah. It's wow. sad to assume he got completely <laughs> Yeah.
0: Engulfed in flame. Clark deserved better. <laughs> I really like I do have one I think I have After even after what everything I said about hard to pick one, I have I think my absolute favorite of this is the one panel of the Guffin smashing that the the Russian soldier down and he's just burst into a flaming skull because clearly his his flamethrower tank fucking blew right open I love that. I love that panel. Yeah. I think that panel is so... It just, it, it has such energy, and it just raises, within one panel, it raises the stakes of the whole situation, which was already nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it was like this fucking gorilla just crushed him and blew him up, and now this is what we're up against. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I really like that we're showing Broom in the field, like... Throughout the whole storyline, we saw him, he can handle stuff. He's sort of stoic towards like horrific stuff, but then we show him in an action, and I think that's fun to see that he has strength behind him. So we're seeing a lot yeah. of the things that we understand. Are like this is the guy that raised Hellboy, and we understand how he how he is and who he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And clearly, I mean Hellboy clearly didn't listen. Still, when Broom told him to learn how to fire a gun, but still, yeah, <laughs> learn how to be a good shot in the field. <laughs> <laughs> It's just great world building, and again, I think it's also weirdly. Uh, I want to know your thoughts on this, Kate. I think if we held, we handed this story to a non-Hellboy reader, you would still get something out of it. Like if totally. this is your first book that you randomly picked up, yeah, I think it would it make you, of course, curious about everything else. But I think you yeah. could follow everything and get and have enjoyment from it.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think like Hellboy is known enough by like we've had a ton of people on. I think at this point who are like. I don't know anything about Hellboy or I've heard of the movies, but that's about it. Like, I think like you sort of know that he's a big red superhero guy and that's all you really need to know going into this. Yeah. Yeah, I think you could pretty much just pick it up and enjoy it.
0: I think my final thoughts are, I'm so happy that a back, like a prequel sort of base story or a story that takes place in the past has done so well. And again, it, it's one of the. It's one of my favorites thus far in the entire reading.
1: I have to agree. Ugh,
0: I mean, hopefully one day I'll never have to rank all of these, but this would be a high, <laughs> high ranking. You say it with a big sigh, like you know you're going to. You're like, <sighs> <sighs> yeah, I'll have Hector Navarro on, and he'll force us to rank them. Oh my god. <laughs> rank 500 comic books. <laughs> oh. But I mean, yeah, there's so much that I love. I think they're. It captured Von Klempt so well. Everything is just perfectly placed for a background yeah. for a backstory on for characters. I like I I know it's gonna be a while before I think we touch them, but I can't wait to see the follow up stories for this. Yeah. Or in this same era or like a year later, a year or two later. Yeah. Any other final thoughts from you, Kate? That's it, man. It's just
1: everybody go read this if you haven't read it. I mean, I hope you fucking read it if you're on this <laughs> version of it like just let us know what you think about it too it's just so fun to talk about this shit especially one that like really is exciting like this one
0: yeah you're right and, and all of you out there we'd love to hear your thoughts you can email us at ah crap a ah, hellboy podcast at gmail.com um we love hearing from you uh, we want to hear your thoughts on the entire um 1946 storyline or anything we've covered in the past or what we're going to be covering in the future of course um, Do you have anything that was inspired by this, this this story, or anything that you want uh, to suggest our listeners to read, watch, or enjoy?
1: Not real, like nothing really immediately comes to mind. I guess go buy a Tiger Electronics game. <laughs> I would you love know.
0: to. I would love there to be a Hellboy Tiger Electronics.
1: Game. Dude, that would be fucking cool. That would be very fucking. <laughs> the little, like, phone game that they came out with for the movie was really fun. The little, like,
0: fighting one. Oh, yeah, that was Do a fun Do you remember one. that one? Yes. That was enjoyable. It was cool. I feel like I'm just going to admit on Mike. I feel like I had a... While we were re- rereading it again, I was like, oh, I have this reference. But I didn't have a pad of paper next to me to write anything down. And I was like, oh, this was what I would love to... I think it made me think of. And then I've... Clearly, by the end, I'm so enamored by the, the story we're reading I have forgotten all of my suggestions. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, There was a lot that I was like, oh, yeah, this is what this is sort of reminds me of. And I was like, this would be cool for people to check out.
1: (laughs) Maybe some other mad scientist
0: thingy. Yeah, it's fine. I'm just going to admit that I'm dumb and didn't have a pad of paper next to me to write it down. You know, make sure that doesn't happen again. Go watch, go watch Apollo 13. I don't know. It was a rocket. Rocket the rocket. Even though I haven't seen that movie since movie theaters. I think just reread it. Just reread the damn story. Because it's so good. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Stands alone. Uh, once again, we're, we can't wait to hear from you and your thoughts, uh, listeners. You can also follow us on um, Instagram at awcraphellboypodcast. Twitter is Hellboy. Um, You can also message us on there. We love to respond to you. Uh, We shared, though. If you want thoughts shared, though, on the show, please email us. And if you can, please go out of your way um, to give us a five star review or any rating you want to on whatever format you listen to. But if you go out of your way to give us a five star review that starts with the word boom on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, um, we will give you a big old shout out, read your review right here on the show praise you we call that boom review so please give us a five star boom review yeah but that is it i crapped out on giving suggestions that i was very excited <laughs> about but that's I'll, hopefully maybe i'll remember them later you'll think of them later yeah <laughs> uh, and it just reminds me i need to prep and have a paper next morning be <laughs> <Eat> more professional <laughs> uh but this has been a great story kate thank you yeah thank you uh, and thank you, listeners, once again. And remember,
1: we love you!
0: Hi, this is Adam Peacock from My Neighbors Are Dead. For the full month of October, My Neighbors Are Dead is going all in on the Friday the 13th series. And the best part is, we're up in our episodes to twice per week as we talk to all kinds of crazy characters from the world of Camp Crystal Lake, played by tons of amazing guests. Two episodes per week, all month long. Join us for My Neighbors Are Dead on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.